Alright, today is our first session of We Here, and my name is Armani Rogers. My name is Kamari Carter. My name is Eugene Allen. I'm senior. <laughs> and today we're covering the book Nickel and Dime by Barbara Enrichs. Enrichs. Enrichs? Yeah. Yeah, that's, I think that's, that's the name. By okay. Barbara Enrichs. There we go. Yeah. yeah. So, um, the basis of the book is that she's going to test out the life of low-wage workers. So she's not. She's going against all that she's learned in college, and going off the grid of the land, basically. Mm-hmm. And she had three basic rules that she was going to follow. She was never going to go. Uh, she was going to stay away from her college education and stuff. Not going to use her college education, which she has a degree, a master's degree in biology. Uh, she was going to get the highest paying job. And she was never. She also had some things that she was never going to do, which was be homeless and never go without a car. And so, the main theme that we're going over with this one is like handling opportunity. And I've known my granddad to have such a rich history with coming in contact with um, opportunities that might make life hard or easier on them. And I would just like to hear from that from you. Yeah, uh, I'll give you a little of my life history here a little bit. I'm uh, from Louisiana. I was born in a little town by the name of Lake Providence, Louisiana. Until my my uh, father passed, my mother passed when I was four months old. But I lived with my father till I got eight. Then we moved to Susanbury, Louisiana, which is about eight miles west of New Orleans, Louisiana, which is a small town basically uh, 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 African-American and so we that's why I grew up and I said I never would want to go hungry or anything like that but I was my mother's 17th child and I come up on the rough side of the mountain you would say uh, I have 11 sisters and six brothers I'm the 17th like I said and they had each one of my sisters nine of them had 10 kids or more so I, they had no room for me. So I said to myself, I gotta have a place to stay. I can't go hungry. And I have to keep myself up in school, which I did all three. I worked for 33 cents an hour, which is coming to $3 per day. But then the days got long. I, cut, I picked cotton, chopped cotton, uh, bale hay, uh, cut sugar cane until I got enough money saved up to get me uh, a lawnmower. In the meantime, I was working on bicycles also to earn a few dollars because I had to earn my way from 10 and up. So I got one lawnmower, I saved up and got one lawnmower. And I was working it, so I saved up the money from that and I got another lawnmower. So while I was in school, I had two senior citizens that needed a job. They didn't want to go to the field and chop cotton, so I told them I'll pay them $3 a day to do my lawns, which we was only getting anywhere between 35 cents and a dollar for to do a lawn. It didn't make any difference how big it is, so they would do three or four lawns a day. I would pay them $3 each, and I would keep the difference, which would maybe be sometime $2, $3, but back then gas wasn't a six cent, 16 cent a gallon, so we didn't use much gas. One gallon lasts just about one lawnmower all day. So we came up pretty rough. And then I finished school and I came to Chicago. 
I worked at uh, Rose's Bakery, which was at located at 3015 West Lake Street. I worked there from uh, 59 to 69, about 20 years. I became, uh, uh, I was, uh, when I first started there, I was uh, a bread slicer. I went from the bread slicer to shipping clerk, went from a shipping clerk to a supervisor, went from a supervisor to a dough mixer, from dough mixer to a baker, from a baker back to a manager. And I left there in 79 and I began to start my own business, which I had started business before I left there, which was about 1975. But I worked there another three or four years, so I made sure the business was on off the ground. And I made a decent buck there, you know. Uh, back then, uh, I think when I first started, it was uh, it was $1. eight cent an hour when I first started there in 59. It's either $1. eight or 98, I forget exactly what it was, but it wasn't much. If you made $45, $50 a week, that was a lot of money back then. But as count today, that same $45, $50 would probably run you about $700, $800 of what we were paying, because we weren't paying, but $35 rent for a three-bedroom apartment. So that wasn't bad at the time. But I struggled. I came up on the rough side of the mountain. I was trying to relate to my grandson the difference in when he's coming up and the difference when I was coming up. And things have changed so drastically until uh, I have to try to tell him about my past so he can never go there and keep focus on his future. So I don't know uh, how far this would go, but in any case, I've been in my own business now for close to 40 years, and I've been pretty successful. I would say I'm not a millionaire, but I'm I'm pretty successful in the business. I have two different businesses, so I'm going up the ladder. I'm still going up the ladder, and I'm in my 70s now, so I'm pushing. So I try to keep my grandson and child and in line here, so he won't go astray like me, and don't take anything for granted. That's the only thing I can tell him. Don't take anything for granted, and keep an ear for everything. Don't don't have a closed ear. Be open-minded about everything, and pick out the good thing that you can leave, use in life and move on. What good would enough. you say? What would you say drove you to climb this ladder, like to go on that journey that you took? I had no I had no one else to do it. No parents, no guidance. You know, my sister them they was. They was on their own mission, you know. So I didn't want to, I didn't want to uh, chop God, pick God the rest of my life. So I strived to do other things. That's when I started my own business, and I was very successful with it back then. Who, uh, who, like, what people are around you that made you think about like starting a business and like chasing your dream and stuff? The poor people. I never did want to be poor. That was it. And my father always told me the best way. But not to, uh, for the deal with the poor people is don't be poor yourself. So that's what I always kept in mind. I didn't want to be poor. And we were very, very poor when I was coming up as a child. I mean very, very poor. Any questions? Um, in terms of today's society, what would you say would be different with opportunities like how it was back then? There's quite a few opportunities. Education is the is 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 is, 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 the, is the way to go. 
education, 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 education is the way to go. Back then, we didn't get a chance to get a good education because we had to work in the fields and do crops and everything else. So I'm the only one out of 17 child that finished high school and got one year of college. But it was very, very rough on my sister and brother, but I sent my own self through that because I made it the first year of college because I was a basketball player and I was kind of tall, you know, so I played a little center, a little guard, and that's how I got a little scholarship going through uh, Southern University. That's why I played college ball there for one year till I bust my kneecap then. There wasn't anything left to do. <laughs> they ain't gonna take care, you can't play. So. Do you think it's harder to live now or back then? Well, it's harder to live now than it was back then because everybody looked out for everybody and everybody was concerned about everybody. Today, nobody looks out for anybody and nobody's concerned about anybody. That's, that's the difference that I see right now than back then. You know, I see that if you don't get out there and get it for yourself, there's no one to really, there's not any role models around, not enough anyway, that's what I would say, role models. And, is, and the government, do you like see them as people that help and try to make it hard, easier for people to live or they just making it even harder for people to live? Well, it's not the government, it's the people that you put into the government, the people that we vote for, those are the people that, that uh, makes it hard for us, you know. Uh, it all depends on, on who you put into the office. If you disagree with someone in the office, then get out there and work and vote against him and get him out of office. He's not doing the thing that you think it should be done for your neighborhood or something of that nature, all the way down to your committee men, your aldermen, you know, your, your, your activists, whoever they are. Get in touch with them and try to make it better for you. It's the only thing I can say. That's what I would say. In the book, um, Barbara, she, in her time of working all the odd jobs that she worked, she worked at uh, places like motels, uh, cleaning houses, and um, at diners, like low-wage diners and stuff like that. And in her time there, she saw how the workers worked together as somewhat of a family and everything like that, or if some of them would work against each other and things such like that. How would you describe your relationship with all those that you worked with in the time up to now? Well, we have I have a good relationship with my employees. Most of them been with me for quite a few years, you know. So we, it, my business is, is not your normal business. It's more like a family business because of one person off or one person sick, they get paid the same in, in, in my corporation, the one, the business I have. I have 15 employees and if one is sick, we take care of him. We never stop his check, no matter what he does, you know, uh, unless he pass, which I pray that he doesn't. But that's how we keep together. And most of the guys that have been with me 15, 20, 30 years. Maybe one guy, Willie West, he's been with me close to 40 years. So that's how we make it, because we look out for each other as a family. But it's very, 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 and I stress there's very few companies that look out like that, very few in this time and age. I have a question. Sure. Um, in the book, Aaron Rick said that there was like personality tests that people had to take to weed out people. Did you have to go through any of that at one point in time? No, I never took a personality test, but I always said attitude is 
everything to me. Attitude. Attitude is 90%. The other 10% is how you deal with it. But the most important thing is attitude. Have a good attitude every day. If you speak to someone, he don't speak back to you, that's on him. You spoke. You did your part. But if they got attitude, just cheer them on. Because you ain't going to straighten them out. Yeah, that's all. That's a big problem I feel we got today because everybody's kind of egotistical with it. Like, they just um, be so self-centered. And that's why we got so much hatred circulating around everybody. And that's not going to make anything work in society because all these issues that everyone brings up. Um, he did this, she did that, everything like that. Nobody's going to get anywhere if we keep doing that. That's true. No one. Because attitude is, like I said, it's 90%. The other 10% is how you deal with it. And, and that's the most important thing is attitude. Uh, a lot of people go on uh, appearance, how they look. That don't count. It's what's inside that counts. You know? Like you said, everybody's looking out for only themselves and not anyone else. They're not trying to help out the community or them or other people who need it. Well, in this society, the, the, the young people, they, they have no leaders. They have no leaders. That, that, that's what I see. They have no leaders. They, have, they haven't had anyone to go. you got grandparents out here, not 28, 30 years old. Yeah. That's ridiculous. So they didn't learn anything themselves. So how are they going to teach the kids anything, their grandkids? So, very, very young age. On that, like, um, the older generation tends to look back on us millennials saying, well, what we're doing wrong and everything like that, when it's them that taught us all that we know. And I see that being a big problem. Some of them wasn't taught all that they, you know. It's very, very few that's taught from the from the earlier generation the new generation they don't they don't they don't want you to tell them anything because they think they know more than you and that's never going to be but they think they do but this is not right you take you for instance you was coming up with money uh, you stayed up under me most of the time you didn't you didn't run off you didn't run up down the street you didn't do a lot of things you know, and I always try to keep you focused, keep you in a decent school, and tell you the important things in life you took heed to, which is very, very important, you know. Same thing with uh, 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 my kids. When they came up, you know, they all went to Catholic school, but, you know, but a lot of people couldn't afford it at that time back then, you know. And it was somewhat of a burden to them for to get a good education, but I have, a, I have one doctor, I got one lawyer, and I got a, a computer analyst, so I didn't do too bad with them, you know. And my grandkids is doing pretty good. Mr. Money, I hope that he does good. <laughs> By the way, Armani is Mr. Money. Uh, you didn't have to point that out. You, you really didn't have to point that out. That was so unnecessary. <laughs> it had to be pointed out. But like, um... That, but that all that you said right there, that's true because I wouldn't be who I am today if it wasn't really for you. Like I'm glad that you were introduced to my life because all the um, wisdom I know that I be telling Carter every now and then, I got that from you. Like nobody would know me for who I am if it wasn't for you. <laughs> There's someone in the background who said that's true. We got supporters. 
granddad got supporters everywhere um, <laughs> and that's the same for me I mean like me and Armani have some of the weirdest conversations but there's always some type of truth in our conversations so and a hidden message always a hidden message and that that comes from having people in our lives my dad was in my life most of the time he brought me here and I wouldn't I wouldn't be the person I am without him uh, like that's how you met me and that's that's how I met this dude Mr. Money <laughs> Mr. Money. You gonna keep saying that? <laughs> Mr. Money. You gotta fight me. <laughs> <laughs> We're not fighting over Mr. Money. That's your name. I hate you. <laughs> but no, that's all I wanted to cover today because everybody has their own story in terms of dealing with opportunity and how we do how it was dealt with back then, as you heard in my grandfather's stories, everything like that. Everybody came it came up really hard. It was really hard. Harder than what it is right now. You only had a select few who chased after it. Right now, we all could legit do this if we just give it this attitude. It'd be so simple if everybody just stopped being so hateful and everything like that. Stop being so self-centered, so greedy and everything like that. Attitude is the name of the game. That's the name of the game, attitude. Get up with an attitude. And just like if you go to a job every day, oh man, I sure hate to get up and go to this job. Man, I don't feel like going to work. Attitude. But if you got a job, that you are happy to go to every day. Anytime a job becomes a job, it's time for you to look for a job. <laughs> something that you don't consider a job. Right. Do something that you enjoy doing. And that way, you make sure that you get up every day and do it. That's important. When a job becomes a job, like I said before, it's time for you to look for a job. That's it. And on that note, I think we're going to come to a close for our very first session of We Here. We Here. On our next episode, I believe we'll be covering budgeting. And we'll see you next time. Goodbye.